Hello, and welcome back to Unmasked. At least, I hope that it's welcome back, because that would mean that you haven't missed any of our previous amazing guests. If it is your first time, there's a lot of catching up to do, but it's okay, you got some time. Go ahead and check them out. You won't regret it, I promise. My name is Alex, and I'm your host. If you haven't already, please do us the huge favor of following us on social media. We're on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, X, Facebook pretty much everything at unmasked with alex and do me also a huge favor and please share the show with a friend of yours that you think might enjoy it i do this really so that i can try to reach out to those who are wanting to get into business for themselves or might be interested in a career where i talk to someone who is in that career and could learn something if that makes sense today I have a really fun treat for you guys. I know I said that a lot, but it's true. If you enjoy action movies with fight choreography and movie makeup and stuff, you're really going to like this episode. Today I have Jasmine Berber. Jasmine is a former engineer for Boeing and is now thriving in the film production industry, doing fight choreography, makeup, acting, and so much more. So, without further ado, I bring to you... Jasmine Berber. I've been. I've been. I've been unmasked. 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 Oh. Oh shit. There we go. All right. Is this this okay or? Yeah. 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 Honestly, they should be sponsoring the podcast by now because I drink way too much Coke on here. So <laughs> if you're, <laughs> at least someone makes that joke. I, I never did because I just didn't think of it. But I was like, kind of like, we should probably make that joke sometime. But Jasmine, welcome to Unmasked. Thank you for taking the time to be on. There's a lot of layers that I've seen that we have to unveil. First of all, for those who don't know who you are, do a little introduction of who you are, what you do, maybe any accomplishments that you definitely want to make sure gets mentioned, um, and kind of just tell us who Jasmine is. Sure. Well, first off, thank you for having me. A little closer? My bad. Yeah. Like that? Uh, There we go. (laughs) <laughs> okay, so first off, thank you for having me. This is awesome. I love any chance I have to come and chat about the film industry. So with respect to me, uh, I actually started in the um, engineering field. I went to school to be a mechanical engineer, and I ended up getting my master's. I studied rehabilitation robotics. I ended up working for Boeing under the Apache program, doing lots of cool stuff, additive mm. manufacturing, structures, yada, yada. Uh, During that time, I was training in Muay Thai, and I ended up fighting competitively for a couple of years. I coached. Um, I was absolutely obsessed. I was hell-bent on eventually getting to the UFC or maybe glory kickboxing. But um, after a couple of amateur fights, and I won all of my amateur fights, but still, I'm like, this was cool. I don't want to get hurt, so you know what? Let's (laughs) just, like, train for fun now. Um, But anyway, while I was training, COVID happened, and gyms were shut down, Mm -hmm. and so I couldn't train two, three times a day, and I was going nuts. Mm -hmm. So I thought, 
you know, this is actually a great time to try something I've always wanted to do, but thought, that's not practical, that's not contributing to society, because I was a straight-edge engineer. Mm-hmm. And I thought, I want to act. Well, if I'm not a good actor, I could maybe be a fight choreographer, because I know how to do that really well. So um, I had, at my house at the time, um, I had a closet with uh, a window that let natural light in, so I stood there, took a selfie headshot, and then I started submitting on backstage. And then that's quite literally how it all started. Yeah. And then from there, it just kind of took off. And, you know, things that I would like to note before, you know, going on forever, I eventually found makeup and special effects and now getting into 3D printing for special effects. I still do fight choreography. I still act. I kind of do a little bit of everything. Interesting. Okay. It's funny that you were mentioning the thing about the selfie, too, because I remember when I first got in, I didn't realize how important it was to get, like, a headshot stuff. And I didn't have money to go and hire a nice, fancy photographer and stuff to take my headshots. I literally went into my closet, hung up a black towel on the door, and then just took a random selfie with my phone. That was my headshot for the first at least, like, six months. No, it works. It really works. And... I mean, well, because I was an engineer, I was very practical about mm. everything. I'm like, well, this looks great. Why would I spend money on more? And so that's done very well for me. But in other senses, it's kind of hurt me because I'm also kind of a cheap ass. Am I, <laughs> am I allowed to curse on here? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry, I just want to make no, sure. No, everyone asked. Yeah, no, I, I curse like a sailor on here. I Honestly, I'd rather have more authenticity. And for a lot of people, I know that it's kind of just part of their vocabulary. And <laughs> so... I mean, for me, it's part of my vocabulary, and I would be having to filter too much if I was to hold back every customer that I said. So I literally put explicit on there, and I'm like, I'm not going to make anyone filter themselves. But okay, interesting. So engineering, I guess it is kind of similar in some ways to the current fields and stuff, especially when it comes to like makeup. Um, You have to kind of figure out, like, especially special effects makeup, trying to figure out different mixtures or um, how to create different stuff, but they are still different fields. What was it about the film industry that sparked? Because you could have gone into many different types of creative fields. There's a plethora of different things. There's music, painting, uh, photography, that kind of stuff. What was it about acting, special effects, and all that? Like, obviously, I can kind of see the correlation with martial arts and then fight choreography, but with acting and makeup itself, what was the spark there? Well, with acting, I, I'm a very empathetic person. When I watch movies that are well-directed, well-acted, well-written, I feel what the character feels. I, it, it's a very real experience for me. And so that's what gave me the confidence that I could at least take a character and portray them on screen. Even though I had never acted a day in my life, uh, I never even did theater. I've just always had this uh, very, I'm not sure what you would call it, but this almost like naive confidence. Sorry, thank you. (laughs) I've almost had this naive confidence about myself where if I can envision it well enough, it's real enough for me to go do it. Okay. So when it came to acting, I could feel that the characters were real enough that I could portray them. Gotcha. 
with respect to special effects, that caters more to my curiosity and just my general love of learning and discovering. Mm -hmm. uh, when it comes to being an engineer, if you're a problem solver, you're an engineer. Mm -hmm. It just depends on what field you go into. So there's all sorts of different types. But that's why I loved special effects and makeup because it wasn't just about products to me. It was understanding them actually on a chemical and molecular level of why they interact with each other a certain way. So when I look at products and certain ingredients, I can quite literally tell you why on a like chemically structural level, why they are or are not good for you. Really? And that is abs like that intrigues me. That's interesting because I've definitely I've I have a few friends that are makeup artists and a lot of times it's just based off of brand or it's just based off of skin tone like I know that everyone's skin can react different to different makeup and stuff mm -hmm. so in my opinion it is very important to understand the chemicals and understand like do you have allergies to this or knowing how immediately to kind of counteract mm -hmm. a certain chemical reaction. I, I imagine that could be a problem that you might have to solve. Like, oh, it has this chemical in it, so I can mix this oh, in yeah. it to alleviate any type of reaction that happens. Oh, yeah. I had a bride once. I was doing her make. I did a trial. She did great. All the products I used on her were fantastic. I came to her the day of her wedding, started doing her makeup. She broke out in hives, head to toe, and I nearly peed my pants because I'm like, this is an artist's worst nightmare. And so I told her, okay, go take everything off, go take a shower. And so what I did, just understanding that her hives were coming from either environmental or stress, said, okay, one, we're going to try and calm you down if it's stress-related. If it's environmental, uh, then we're going to create a barrier on your skin to prevent anything from the outside getting in and continuing you know, the hives to, um, I guess, come about or whatever the phrase is but mm -hmm. anyway it's just that's how my brain works is I look at a problem and I find a solution versus panicking saying oh no I'm so sorry it's okay um I don't know this this has never happened I'm so sorry it's yeah. um okay so your skin's having a, a bit of an, a reaction to what's going on so I'll tell you what go ahead and do this for me and then we're going to try a b and c but you're going to be all good it's very simple for me and I feel like having that kind of reaction is also extremely important because being in the actor standpoint if you're working with a makeup artist you're already kind of freaking out if something's happening that you're not expecting and mm -hmm. so if they're sitting there freaking out like oh my god I don't know what to do you're having hives immediately that's going to cause the whole scene to just blow up so being able to kind of stand back and be like okay and then not have that immediate freak out reaction but be able to kind of take it step by step to solving stuff what could be the worst situation ever could immediately be resolved by just taking little baby steps. But it's interesting that that's a very different type of thing than acting because a lot of time acting is based off of reaction and acting is based off of um, having some sort of reaction to a situation, especially like improvisational type of acting. Mm -hmm. um, so it's very interesting that your brain kind of works in those types of different sectors and stuff. Um, I'm curious so I like to understand somebody the best I can and some of the best ways I found to do that is by understanding where they came from so as far back as you're comfortable with going um, kind of bring me through your past a little bit with 
upbringing, maybe childhood events that kind of shaped you into who you are today? Sure. Um, so I guess something unique that not everybody goes through in their childhood, I was homeschooled. Uh, I was homeschooled up until like eighth or ninth grade. And then I went to a like public private school where polos and khakis kind of a thing. Mm. But because I was homeschooled and a bit isolated, bit of a shut in, I didn't have any uh, any sort of understanding of social construct um, or social norms. So when I first went to like junior high, high school, I was super into like Rob Zombie, Marilyn Manson. <laughs> Uh, I wore like everything from Hot Topic. People thought I was a devil worshiper, even though I was the bubbliest person <laughs> you could meet. So uh, I was a bit of an enigma during that time, and it confused the shit out of everybody. So that was something that definitely shaped the way that I perceived things and the way I just went about life. Um, I was trained in uh, classical music. My mom has been a pianist her entire life, and so she trained um, me and my siblings all piano. And so that gave me a really wonderful appreciation for well-structured and constructed music. And so that's something that I guess contributed to my love of film, because I didn't, I didn't realize this at the time, but a lot of the films that I adore have wonderful scores. Oh, absolutely. And that's something most viewers only feel subconsciously, but since I've been in the film industry and I've gone back and watched those same films, I think, oh shit, I really love the music. Mm -hmm. And I think that stemmed from just being exposed to a lot of wonderful music growing up. I'm glad that you mentioned that part because that is one of the biggest things that people underestimate in the film industry. It's not just about the visuals. The music has such a huge part in it. It can manipulate your emotions very easily. You can get a scene that's supposed to be sad, but if there's like uplifting, happy music or something behind it, it's now it's a dark comedy. Yeah. <laughs> Versus if you have like some sort of like Beethoven type of stuff behind it or something that's like very instrumental, very like it adds to the emotion. Most of the stuff that like I've seen that has really triggered the heartstrings in me. It's not about what the actor said. It's about the way that they're physically acting and then possibly just the sound behind it. Like you're dealing with two different senses. You're dealing with visual and hearing. And yes, there are silent films, but silent films tend to not really tug the same heartstrings as regular yeah. films, but it's because you have to know how to cater to both senses. Yeah, humans have five senses. The more that you can tap into, the more of a immersive experience you will uh, provide. Mm -hmm. um, same thing goes for Foley and just sound in general, which, I mean, my husband will go on forever about that because he's a wizard, but we were just talking about the Saw movies, and I was expressing, you know, as a special effects artist, I really struggle with a lot of the traps and the kill scenes in there, not because of the visual, but because of the audio. Hmm. And so if there's a scene that's really getting to me, I will actually plug my ears, but I'll still watch because that part is what gets me. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I, I relate to that very much, especially when I'm watching a horror I can watch a horror movie. I don't care what visually. I can watch it without even blinking. It's a sound. It's That's why jump scares get me it's not mm -hmm. at all the the jumping on screen it's a fact of out of nowhere there's a loud sound and stuff 
and whether it's from a childhood of like trauma and like gunshots or whatever, like my brain immediately goes to loud sound, run and hide, mm-hmm. or like a fight or flight response. And so like I try not to be that pussy or whatever that's <laughs> sitting in the in the chair and loud sounds like oh my god. Oh no, I let it. I let it all go. I don't care. I get made for my of all the time for how badly I, I get I get startled very easily yeah. despite loving gore and effects. I yeah. Mean, just, but anyway. It's, it's, it's really cool though to see the fact that like something as simple as sound can affect a film or even just a scene in a film so much. Like the fact that we can literally plug our ears but watch it and it'll be fine. If I were to watch it without the visual I would still be doing that because I'd be like listening and then boom, loud sounds. I'm like, oh, shit, I wasn't expecting that. Mm-hmm. It would still make me jump, even if I don't actually watch what's going on. So it's it's really cool to see like those different layers and stuff um, go into what would be the film. Um, so high school, Rob Zombie type of stuff, Marilyn Manson, dark but bubbly personality. I, I know a lot of people like that. It's really weird. Most, most of the most bubbly people that I knew dressed like that. I mean, I, for me, for a while, I dressed very, like, all black and stuff, and people would think, like, I'm gothic or something. I'm like, no, I just, like, I like black. You just like black. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's very interesting. So, okay. At what point did you pursue engineering then? So I had no idea what I wanted to do when I got out of high school because I wanted to do everything. I saw myself as a kinesiologist, a sports doctor, an accountant, a chef, uh, uh, this a veterinarian. I, I could honestly see myself so vividly doing any of those professions. But what really drove me into engineering was this aha moment I had with math. So being homeschooled, you know, my, my mom did a really great job of educating us, but you know, she, I believe she graduated from high school, but that was it. So her math skills weren't the best. So there wasn't much that she could relay to us when it came to math. So when I got to high school, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. Um, I would, I didn't even know how to take tests because we, my mom didn't make us take tests. We just, we knew things. We were just Mm -hmm. educated. So I was, I was a very intelligent child, but I didn't understand the school system. So Going through math, my teachers thought I was stupid, and they put me in, you know, a special kids class. And then when I got out of high school, you know, I I thought I was just really bad at math. And then mm-hmm. in college, uh, I had this bright, blonde, bubbly uh, female professor who said, "Anyone can be good at math. You can be good at math. We just need to learn how you learn." And so. I would sit in her office for hours and she would just sit with me and she showed me that I actually learn differently than others. Mm. The way my brain processes information, uh, retains information, regurgitates it, it's different than the way it's taught in class. And so she was okay with that. She's like, well, as long as, you know, just show me how you do your work and you'll, you'll be good. And over the duration of that course, I realized I was actually very good at math very good like scary good Hmm. um and so then you know between that and my love for just building and tinkering around in the garage i thought let's do a career that lets me do both and that was engineering Uh, and then i went on to you know focus on like thermal analysis i ended up taking that to boeing to work on you know uh uh 
thermal analysis for jet engines and things like that because it was very uh, math driven. Mm -hmm. But I understood it. And I can see math in three space while I'm working, you know, how heat flows through a gearbox and, you know, through an engine. I can see how the math works and it just, I loved it. It's very, I, I love that it was based on your ability to learn it and not just someone saying that, like, you're dumb and you're not going to be able to learn this. Because I feel like if that approach happened with other people, we'd be surprised at the results that other people could accomplish. I know that when I was in school, I got horrible grades. But it wasn't because I didn't know what it was. It was because I, my brain couldn't focus on a book, so I didn't read anything in English. But if you asked me to write an essay, I could bust one out in 15 minutes. With math, I couldn't understand geometry that well. But when it came to algebra and stuff, I was a wizard. I, I could do simple math, or I could do regular algebraic math, no problem, which is why I got into finance. I didn't say nice. that I sucked at math. It was just like the way that people were teaching it to me. I'm like, I don't learn like these other guys. If you want to teach it to me, you have to be patient with me. Let me ask all the questions I need to ask because the way I ask questions is the way I learn. That's why jobs can sometimes be very hard. I'm the question asker in jobs. And I've gone to managers and I'm like, I'm just going to warn you right now. I'm not going to be a normal employee. I'm going to ask questions beyond probably what your patience level is. And they're like, oh, I want you to ask questions, though. That's good. I'm like, you haven't met me, though. I've literally lost yeah. jobs because they're like, just take it and do what I say. And I'm like, I, I can't. My brain doesn't do that. Yep. I need to know why. Like, I, yep. I don't want to know A plus B equals C. I want to know why oh, A plus B equals C. Man, when I was at Boeing, I did quality assurance for a little while. And I'm the same kind of person because I have to understand something to the point where I can explain it to anyone. Yes. And when it came to quality assurance, I was in a, a department where they just had to meet a certain quota. Um, it was the composite main rotor blades for the Apaches. And so we had to pump out, let's say, like 80 blades a month to mm -hmm. different uh, armies, national and international. But if there was something that didn't meet engineering requirements, we had to put a blade on hold until we could go look at it. So that meant as blades stacked up that were on hold, we weren't meeting our quota. So mm -hmm. management would come in and say, move these along and me being quality assurance person and like we need to understand what's going on I would ask the wrong questions and it pissed them off wrong questions yeah to them it's wrong but to you it's how your brain works it's how you're able to understand the situation well and also because I a pilot's life is on the line if mm -hmm. we supply a blade and it goes out into the field and it has a defect uh, that could be someone's life on the line. And exactly. so I wasn't willing to forego the questions that needed to be asked just for the sake of moving blades along. I had to make sure that the blade was structurally sound, whether it was in the composite, it was in the uh, metals, it was in you know the rivets, whatever it was, I needed to make sure that these blades were sound. Mm -hmm. And so that's where man my management and I really butt heads because I would ask those questions and I would say, well, based on what I have discovered, these things, these blades are not safe to move through. And so that was one of the reasons I ended up leaving. <laughs> Thank God I found film in the meantime, but. Um, it's very frustrating when that kind of stuff happens because then you kind of see pe people's true intentions slash ulterior motives. You get to see what really drives a person. For them, 
you can see obviously it's probably deeper pockets. It's probably status versus someone like you. It's more of like, well, I'm not going to be going to bed at night thinking that I might have just put someone's life in danger. No, he was a manager those five years from retirement, and he doesn't give two shits. Yeah. By the time something happens, he won't be working there anymore. Exactly. It's it's really frustrating when that kind of stuff happens, but then just being able to kind of reanalyze the situation, like I realize that like I can't have a job to where I have to ask a million questions. I have to have a job that's very much very simple. I can understand the job right away or just go into business for myself because then I have to analyze the situation. And that's honestly kind of how you figure out what the true, like when people think that they suck at a job because other people aren't being patient with them, I'm like, this could be the best employee you've ever had. You just didn't give them a chance because other shit's going on in your life and you don't have the patience to answer the questions. Yeah, they just see it as inconvenient. But yeah. on a positive note, taking that to my business, Berber Productions, those questions I ask myself mm-hmm. and I'm able to be my own boss in that sense, yeah. which has been absolutely fantastic. Uh, even in a special effects sense, I have to understand the ins and outs of why certain things work and why they don't. So for example, you know, why certain uh, materials don't mix well with latex, or Mm -hmm. if I'm doing a life cast on somebody and the life cast for whatever reason doesn't work or it collapses on itself, I have have to understand why, like was the environmental temperature not correct? Was, you know, did I not mix it well enough? I, I ask all these questions so I understand exactly the process of how something needs to be done or how materials have to be treated. Mm-hmm. So that's why I love being a business owner. But it's also a curse because it does it doesn't it doesn't stop. <laughs> like <laughs> But on the contrary, also kind of adding the plus note, that means that the quality and everything is gonna be that much higher because you're not just trying to find the easy way, cut corners and doing all that. It's you're finding what is the absolute best of the best. It's not like okay, how like yeah, you can work cost efficiency into stuff but you're also not going to be like okay I don't give a shit if this doesn't work in the long run you're going to be finding the way to make it work in the long run oh yeah and plus I'm ex- I don't know if this is a symptom of my ADHD or just my personality maybe it's the same thing but I'm also slightly defiant in nature so for example within the beauty industry it's highly unregulated mm-hmm. highly it's it's gross so for example a lot of products they're marketed as for example hydrating and so, for whatever reason, you know, my internal instinct is like, you know, say it's hydrating, okay, we're going to go see why. And a lot of the times it's because products just have water in it. But, <laughs> you know, the first ingredient might be uh, alcohol dennet. Mm-hmm. Uh, alcohol, it's not good for your skin, it's very drying. But somewhere in the ingredient list, there's water. So they call it hydrating, and they can do that because it's, you know, at a certain you know, it's listed at a certain number within the ingredient list, so they are allowed to say it's hydrating. But that's what bothers me, and that's why I like being educated, because I can actually say, this is what is truly hydrating for your skin and why. Which, for someone especially that's not knowledgeable on that, I can ask you that, like, if I'm, if you're doing makeup on me, mm-hmm. and I say, oh, I, I use this product all the time, like, my, my skin's fine, and you're like, okay, let me see it. This, why are you using it? It's like, oh, it's super hydrating. Oh, okay. And then you're like, it's not hydrating. I'm like, it, oh, says, yeah. it says it is. And I can ask you the why of like, why why are they allowed to say that if it's not? And then you can explain oh, yeah. it to me. And you can, instead of just saying it's not hydrating and yeah. trying 
for me to take that as a blank statement, me, I can ask you why, and you can kind of go in and explain, well, it's because of this, and the way you just explained oh, to yeah. me, I'd be able to understand it more and be like, oh. And every chance I get, every person that sits in my makeup chair, I have, like, that preaching to God speech with them, and, you know, usually the person on the other side that's doing hair, they absolutely hate me by the end of a 12-hour <laughs> day because I give the speech to say, what's your skin regimen like? And we talk about all the products while I'm doing their makeup. And I say, well, what's your, you know, uh, your the history of your skincare? Like, tell me about that. Do you have dry, oily? Like, we go through all of it. And I tell them I'm not, um, I'm not an esthetician. Uh, I never studied anything medical. This is purely research, trial and error, speaking to other people about what works for them, mm-hmm. and just sharing knowledge. And I always disclose that. Yeah. Um, I'm not trying to say, like, I know everything because I'm an esthetician. I, I don't. I just really give a fuck about what I'm putting on people's skin. Which, honestly, I would take that more than someone who's just like, oh, I, I went to school for esthetician. Like, I've never taken necessarily formal education, and for me that would be considered formal education yeah. is getting a certification, as the reason why I should trust you. For me, I would, I know that time, like, you've probably spent way more time and energy than a lot of the estheticians out there, and it's not to bag on estheticians or say that any of them are doing anything bad but the fact that you've put in so much more passion time and energy means that it's clicked in your head in a different way than someone who just has a piece of paper saying that they can legally do it mm-hmm. it's the same thing in the medical field you'll meet some doctors like i've known some people that they might not have medical degrees but they know a hell of a lot more about the body and medicine than half the doctors out there oh and man yeah <laughs> i um i so i i did Another fun fact, uh, I used to bodybuild like way back when, uh, teenage years to like early 20s, but that I worked as a PT while going through college, so I obsessed over the body for a short period of time because I kept on getting injuries like knees, back, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, my husband, you know, he'll have back issues and he'll say, oh, this part of my back hurts. And I'm like, uh-uh, it's your hamstring and I'll go and I'll work on it. And he's like, wow, my back feels better. And it's just <laughs> because I, I took the time to understand why things like there's a chain reaction within the body because your mm-hmm. body is just uh, pulleys and cables, yeah. essentially. It's a chain reaction that goes on. So just I've always loved knowledge. I've always had just a genuine curiosity about life and how things work because to me it's magic. I want to know what's going on behind the black curtain, like what's going on. And then as soon as I discover the magic trick, I'm like, cool, what's next? I like that. I, I want to know more about like bodybuilding and stuff, but it's also something that I have to take at my own pace, which is why I don't decide to pursue the personal trainer route because a lot of personal trainers out there you, you can literally get a degree for it online or you can literally just get it online answer a couple things like I have my bartending certification or like my my liquor license yeah doesn't mean I know you're, every liquor law you're a mix yeah you're a mixologist yeah I've, I've seen those on Groupon yeah <laughs> like I literally I literally took a test online that took me an hour to do, yeah. and now I can legally serve someone alcohol. It doesn't mean that I know more than somebody else. I know that there's plenty of people out there that serve drinks that know a hell of a lot more about the laws and physics behind different drinks and stuff. Yeah. So, No, you just you got to go at your own pace. You have to do things that are interesting to you. That's, I mean, I just, I needed a job while I was in college, and yeah. so PT just happened to be the thing that made a bit more money than working, like, front desk. And so right. I said, 
down, I'll make people sweat and cry for money. Mm -hmm. So, (laughs) and then at the same time, I was learning about the body because I wanted to be a bodybuilder. I mean, Arnold Schwarzenegger was a huge, huge inspiration for me at the time. I mean, his his speech, Who Do You Want to Be, is just embedded in my brain because I used to listen to that on the way to my gym sessions at four in the morning. (laughs) And... It just, that's what really got me going because I had no idea where I was going to end up in life. I just knew that it, I didn't want to be in the same place I was that day. Right. That makes sense. So from going to engineering, where did martial arts come into everything? Because that seemed to be a pretty big part of your life for a while. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it still is. I still train to this day. Not as consistently as I'd like, but I still train. Um... I guess it started with my dad. He used to own a dojo, but I was in diapers at the time, so I don't quite remember. But it's always been something that was accepted and preached in my family and something that was just cool. Mm. Um, So when I got into high school, they offered American Kempo, so I ended up getting my black belt while I was, you know, going through high school. And then I, you know, went on a hiatus so I could get my engineering degree but then I ended up going back and discovering boxing that led to Muay Thai. Fucking fell in love with Muay Thai. I love the shit out of it. I love the Thai culture. I wanted to go to Thailand and fight um, just to say that I did it because it's it, it's still on my bucket list. Yeah. But well, it's just it's something that's always been in my life, and uh, I guess I've I've wanted I've wanted to perfect. Muay Thai so badly because it's an art that requires so much mental toughness. Hmm. Um, I'm a very docile person at heart, bit of a, I was a doormat for most of my life, I would even say, but when it came to Muay Thai, it was something where you, you cannot let yourself be defeated up here. You might lose the match, you might not have your hand raised at the end of the fight, but you cannot lose mentally. You can't let yourself get there, otherwise you are not truly a fighter. Really? And I wanted to know that I was capable of that. So even though I absolutely fucking hated fighting, I hated it. I wanted to vomit and cry, and I'm just like, I don't want to do this. And I'm like, I'm sorry, but i got to kick your ass. (laughs) (laughs) But I just, I wanted to know I was capable of that. And, you know, even in in the gym, there there are bullies in the gym. There are Mm -hmm. girls that just want to be bitches. I wanted to know I could stand up for myself. So I go kick their ass. We'd be, you know, sparring, and I wouldn't put up with their shit. Maybe they were having a bad day, and they wanted to just be a dick. You know what? I will fight back and stand up for myself so they know they can't fuck with me. I like that. I, I felt a very similar way towards BJJ. Yeah? Um, that was the martial art that I chose. Um, I did karate when I was really young, but it was the most bullshit oh. karate. And just so everyone knows, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, not really good blowjobs or something. <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't even think I like that that's where your mind goes. Well, yeah. I just I don't know. The, yeah. the community is weird but awesome yeah. in that sense. So anyway, yeah. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and go on. Um, so I went into karate when I was really young and it was like the most bullshit karate I think I could have ever gone into. Um, I'm pretty sure like a few months into the class I th- I'm if I could, I don't know I don't remember if this is a dream that I had or if it was actual life it's one of those things where it's hard to decipher because it was so far back in the memory hole I'm pretty sure my um, sensei got arrested for getting into a fight or something 
And so I had to drop out of karate. It was it was probably more than just that. He probably went and got drunk. And then yeah. he was like, I need karate. Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, so I kind of stopped for a while, but um, I was kind of talking to my brother because my brother was a big fighter growing up. He was the he was like the main macho fighter guy, um, and he I was always like the underdog growing up. I was the smallest little pee wee and stuff, and didn't hit puberty till like my sophomore year of high school. Um, and my brother was like, due to your size, I think you should go into jujitsu. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, why? And he's like, because it's not about striking. It's not about anything like that. It's literally about being able to use someone's weight, use someone's size against them. It's not about like how hard you can hit and it's not about being the biggest, baddest guy. There's people smaller than you that I've seen take down people twice their size. I was like, okay, well, mm-hmm. I'll give it a shot. And I went in and sure enough, like it's one of the most grueling, punishing things that I've ever done because of how much extra strength you need, especially like legs and stuff. Like you have to build so much like core strength, so much leg strength. Um, all this other types of stuff. Um, I didn't want to go into a professional, but I love the discipline that I would learn. The fact of like, it's not like if you're angry and you're using that in it, you're going to burn yourself out and you're yeah. immediately going to lose. That's the other thing too with jujitsu, wrestling, Muay Thai. Uh, you cannot be angry going mm-hmm. into a fight. Like you, you'll probably win sometimes if you just go in and pummel the other person, but. In the long run, that does not get you wins. And that's something I really loved about the sport because if you were a bully, you eventually became humbled. Right. If you were a doormat or you know a pussy, you would get your ass beat until you leveled up and you decided to stop being a, like, a wimp. Yeah. It, it's good for everyone, assuming that you're going to a good you know, studio or dojo because yeah. there are some that are um, just, yeah, not great. But... That's why I loved it. Yeah, I mean, it teaches you really how to pace yourself. And it was something that I was able to translate into real life. Instead of just immediately having a reaction to a situation, I kind of learned, like, okay, I'm in a really shitty situation. Oh, yeah. It taught me not only how to physically pace myself out in sticky situations, but how to mentally pace myself out. It's like I have a 200-pound person, and their sweat dripping into my mouth right now, and I can't (laughs) breathe, but I can't move from this spot. I'm going to wait. I feel their their leverage going that way, and go. Yeah, and it's also, like, using as much psychology in the moment as possible. Like, if I do this, they're going to immediately try to counter it with doing this move. And so what can I do to counter that? It's kind of like using almost an engineering brain of, like, okay, this plus this equals this hold. And, like, learning of, like... And then there are other times where while that's going through your head, you get punched in the face. Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Because that was was me. I'm like, okay, I can construct the perfect combination in my head. I'm like, fuck. (laughs) That was that was my I couldn't spar or strike for shit. My my ground game, my wrestling game, my jujitsu game has always been I'm not gonna toot my own horn and say amazing, but it hasn't been terrible. I've been able to get myself out of shit. But striking, I could never like anytime it was like boxing or whatever, like anytime I was homie scrapping kids when I was younger, mm-hmm. I immediately always took it to the ground because I'm like I I was like, I can punch really hard. But I, if it comes at me, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to be like, huh? 
and then go into the punch or something. And like, I never learned how to juke a punch or anything. But I think that's where my stubbornness and defiancy comes into play because striking was substantially more difficult for me than I would say groundwork. Mm -hmm. I mean, jujitsu is not something I perfected by any means. I didn't even make it to blue belt. Yeah. But when when it came to striking, I was so frustrated at my inability to, you know, bob or weave or strike or actually land something I would just almost be in tears from frustration and I wanted to get it right and that's where my I guess I was defiant against myself mm-hmm. because regardless of how badly I wanted to quit I'm like God fucking no we're gonna get this yeah I wish I kind of had a little bit more perseverance in that field but I think it was also due to the education obviously in jiu-jitsu they don't really teach you a whole lot about striking and that kind of stuff. It's groundwork. Um, there was a gym out here that I did go to for a little while that was more mixed martial arts. So they had pretty much everything that you could do, but it was taught by someone that pretty much only perfected one craft himself. Sure. And they wouldn't really teach you exactly how to block strikes or how to strike. It would be more of hypothetical situations, like a guy's coming at you with a knife doing this, and immediately like, whoa, 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 whoa. I've never seen anyone come at a person with a knife like that before. You're like, well, you take out your gun and yeah. you go pew, pew, pew. And then it'd be like, okay, so if there's a gun, what do you do? And they're the type that would be like, oh, you would do this. And it's like, that's not the right thing. You run. Yeah. <laughs> uh, dojos and instructors are, it's, diffi- it's difficult to come by an instructor that you really vibe with and you can just excel as yeah. a martial artist. And I think I was very fortunate in that sense because I found a chain of instructors that taught me something that a lesson that I truly needed to learn whether it was about how to be tough and how to conquer my own mind before even going into the ring mm-hmm. um, one of the last instructors I had in Muay Thai he was actually an engineer himself really and so he broke down Muay Thai in the most technical sense that just registered in my brain so mm. so fucking well that my ability as a martial artist went from here to probably here. That's incredible. That's why I'm highly proficient in what I do and I can break things down very well and I do fight choreography and I do fight direction. It's really because I I found someone that I was able to learn from so well. And it's it's kind of like what we were mentioning earlier is finding someone that can cater to how you learn. There's so many different people that will try to teach martial arts in the way that they were taught. But maybe the way that they were taught doesn't work. I've, I've seen so many people like, okay, I'm going to do this move twice in front of you guys, and I expect you guys to be a, a black belt in this move. And it's like, I don't understand. Like, there's a lot that you're, you're you can't just watch them. Like, that's why you can't learn martial arts on YouTube, because you have to learn leverage. You have to learn exactly, like, how to maneuver your body in a certain way or what weight to be feeling at a certain point. Like, if you don't feel weight on this part, you're not doing it right. Oh, yeah, exactly. Uh, when it comes to striking, the force is generated from your legs. Yeah. A lot of people think that you just need to hit harder up here, but then they're leaning so far forward over their front leg that you could sweep them, you could take them down, you could do, yeah. you know, a single leg takedown, something like that. People don't understand that you have to have a solid base, but it's those fundamentals that I was able to pick up at, you know, from this particular coach that really helped me excel because I apply it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, I recently started learning Wing Chun. And I take all the principles I learned and I translate it 
whether they apply or not, I can at least ask the questions. Mm -hmm. Say, okay, what are we doing with our feet? Where's, where are our shoulders facing? What's our structure here? Um, I'm still learning the fundamentals, but I am absolutely loving the art. Yeah. It's, I, um, so there was this thing that I was watching a while back. I can't remember exactly what it was. It was like a history channel thing, but they were going into the physics of the most powerful kick that you can do. And a lot of these other kicks, you would think they're really powerful, but there was one that delivered a blow that could be lethal if done correctly. And But it wasn't just like, oh, watching him do it. They went into the actual physics of the energy transferring from like one foot through the body into another thing. And for me, that kind of made it click in a way that like, I wonder how I can use the same energy transfer in different kicks. And so for me, I started getting the kicks that I already knew that weren't as powerful as I wanted them to be, but I'm like, I was just like Joe Rogan do this kick and it's the most powerful kick in doing this. And I'm like, oh, he probably knows how to transfer his energy in a way that most people don't, which is why he's been able to perfect this kick. Mm -hmm. It's about not just learning the physics behind this, but learning how your body handles those physics. Because if someone tells me to throw all my weight into one thing, but I don't know to tense up certain things, I've literally... I think broken my wrist because of throwing a punch. Yeah, that'll happen. Yeah. And that was something else that I uh, that I learned was perfecting one movement at a time. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the gyms I've been to, a lot of the, the MMA Muay Thai gyms, they'll do five, six, seven piece combinations and it's cool, it's flashy. I've picked some of it up for my fight choreography work, but it doesn't drill fundamentals into the students. When I was training, um, it was Arizona Muay Thai. So this is, you know, this was the engineering coach that I had that I really loved. We would practice one punch, one or two. It would be maybe a jab cross. And we would do that, uh, partner drills, holding pads, and we would do that back and forth for maybe 15, 20 minutes at a time. He would go around to every person and he would be tweaking us until our jab cross was fucking awesome. Yeah. And we would be, he would be tweaking, you know, either our footwork, um, our weight distribution in our feet, uh, how we turned, when we turned our fists, just mm -hmm. everything. And he broke it down to one, not only how, but why. And that, that's how my brain works. I need yeah. to understand things down, just like with what I said with makeup on a molecular level, understanding things down to their basic mechanical components. And then I put everything back together and I see the larger picture and I'm like, yeah, and the fact that he also took the time individually with each of you guys to do that, also, I, I, I feel like that made a huge difference as well. Instead of just like one instructor in front of the class showing people and then having them do it, being able to go into each person directly and be like, okay, here's how you're doing it, and here's why it's not working, and kind of individually working with each person, because each person might have seen a different thing. And so they're like, oh, okay, so maybe if I put my weight over here, it'll be faster. And it's like, mm -mm, don't put your weight over here because then that will lead to this. And so having that individualized learning to be able to perfect that, I feel like that probably helped a lot as well. Yeah. So, I mean, overall, my entire life experiences, everything that I've dabbled in has just been a series of questions that I've wanted answered in life. Hmm. And that's pretty much why... How I've ended it up here. So when it goes to fight choreography, I know that a lot of people try to be like fight choreography people. 
and I've been on some sets that have a fight choreography person. And for me, it's one of the most blowing smoke up your ass type of things ever because so many people go and take one or two martial arts classes and say that they're a fight choreography and I'm like or fight choreographer and I'm like no you're 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 not it's very different stuff especially when it comes to like using weapons versus not using weapons I've seen some people that have no weapons training themselves go and be like okay we have this it's an actual weapon so you're going to have to be really careful and they go to do that I'm like whoa 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 Mm, you're hitting really thin lines there. Yeah, I'm I'm grateful in the sense that the people I've worked with who who say, you know, they're knowledgeable in certain areas, they really have been. Mm-hmm. But what I see more often than not are uh, people on set practicing unsafe, uh, I guess, techniques or wanting to just throw actors into something without uh, ta- disclosing it asking about uh, prior history, injuries, things like that. Uh, that's what really bothers me. Yeah. Um, something I do as a fight choreographer, and I won't go on too long about this, but uh, before I start doing anything, I always get an assessment of the people I'm working with. So I'll ask them, hey, what's your background? Um, did you fight? Are you a gym rat? Were you a dancer? Depending on their answer, I know, okay, if they're a dancer, depending on the type, they might have really good flexibility and range mm-hmm. of motion. I could plan some really pretty fight scenes with them if they're a gym buff we could do like a knockdown drag out kind of fight but they're not going to be super flexible they'll get hurt if i ask them to throw a high kick right um if they were a fighter previously that was fucking awesome. <laughs> but uh, i make sure to get that assessment with people before doing anything and then after discussing the scenes the story character uh background getting all that information to understand the best direction to go with a fight sequence, then I will start working with talent. And I think that is super important because too many people, especially when it comes to directors or producers that just want a badass fight scene in their movie, will be like, hey, I want you to do this, this, and this. Did you see the movie John Wick? Yeah, okay, I want you to repeat everything that he did. Bro! Do you, do you not realize the fact of how much training those actors go through? It's not just like, oh, I want you to shoot like four of these people. It's They actually had to hire per- people that were professionals in these yes. fields to come in and teach gun safety, teach, act, like, the there, there is actual footage of Keanu Reeves going through with these martial artists and being like, hey, you need to train for six yeah, months and for the, this. for the Matrix, he got his green belt uh, in karate within three months yeah. for the film, but he actually trained. Yeah, exactly. It, it's not just going on like, I want a Matrix-style fight in my movie, so I'm just going to um, oh, have a, a fight choreographer come on and plant three punches, a sweep, and a, and a takedown. It's like, I had that happen for one movie with me. The guy wanted, um, it was me and this guy who was literally t- triple my size. And he was like, I want you guys to do a fight scene. And I'm like, okay. And then I talked to him. I was like, what kind of fighting? He's like, I'm a professional boxer. And I'm like, okay, all right. Um, well, I have jujitsu, so we're going to have to figure this all out. And um, I went on. And literally the day that we were supposed to be rehearsing, and I'm like, okay, so I, I don't see any like choreographer or anything. He's like, improv and I'm like 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 hell we are I was like we're gonna do you do you know what improv means it means we don't know what's coming next if we don't know what's coming next in a fight scene 
there could be some serious injuries here. Yeah, I, there's only been one time that I have ever quote unquote improved, and it, it's just sparring. Yeah, uh, it was someone who had actually trained in martial arts his entire life, and so he understood the concept of touch and go. And yeah. we were able to just have basically a friendly sparring session, and it was super fun. No yeah. one got hurt. It looked badass. But I would never do that with anyone else. Exactly. I mean, he was trained, though, to where if he did actually get hit, he could take it because he's been taking hits yeah. his entire life. Or if something happens, like, that's the thing that people don't realize in martial arts is you learn even fundamentals, how to fall safely, how to protect yourself in certain oh, yeah. situations, which if you're not trained in those kinds of things, you don't know. If someone knocks you on your ass, a lot of people will try to put their arms out or not know to like do certain things or when they're falling forward not to do certain stuff yeah and so in those kinds of instances that's one of the reasons why like especially action films can be some of those dangerous things if you don't have if it's like a low budget thing and they're like we're just gonna hire some people that say that know how to fight because the amount of actors too that say that they know how to fight because they did street fighting growing up and they're like oh I'm a professional fighter and no like, because they took a semester of uh, was it stage combat? Yeah. I'm like, I've had that so many times. Uh, bless their hearts. I know they want to get the gig and do the thing, but it's just... Oh, yeah. God. So like, anyway, uh, that's why a lot of the a lot of times when it comes to fight choreography, you know, people will ask me for a day rate, and I'm like, just, just talk to me because I want people to be safe. So mm -hmm. there's been a lot of sets I've gone on just for free or for cheap because I'm like, if it's... Like, if it's a good set, good people, I just want to make sure they're safe. Because mm -hmm. um, that's... Oh. And I, I think um, the first time we were talking, you were mentioning kind of unrealistic expectations to where it's like they want a certain scene done in two weeks, and it's like it's not physically, humanly possible to train someone in this in two weeks. Yeah, I had a gentleman reach out to me saying that he wanted me to train seven people with absolutely no physical background whatsoever, not even gym rats. No physical background. He wanted me to train seven people in like a three-minute fight sequence within a two-hour period. Um, he had no set insurance. He had no crash pads. Didn't even want to pay for me like to be there. It wasn't on a day I could make it. Um, I just I basically told him this isn't safe. Uh, I don't condone these types of practices. So for that reason, I'm out. Just like Shark Tank. <laughs> <laughs> so for that reason, I'm out. But what can you do? It's, it's interesting to get kind of like the insight of someone who is kind of trained in this kind of stuff. Um, so I definitely appreciate that part as well. Um, being an entrepreneur slash just someone who does this, I know it's a passion for you and I know you love doing it, but I know there's got to be some shitty parts. What are some of like the, I guess you could say shitty parts about what you do? So in general or specific to the fight direction? Just in general for like the career that you're in. Um, the shitty parts are, it's much, okay, so let me preface with now that I've, um, I'd say I've had almost three years in the film industry, which doesn't seem like a long time, but I've had a high volume of work in many, many different areas. So I've seen film productions of all calibers, of all sides of the coin. So I know better now, mm -hmm. but the shitty part was gaining the experience and interacting with people that did not have good intentions, that wanted to cut corners. Uh, they did not have a passion for what they were doing, um, or I my passion was much greater than theirs, even though I was just a hired on, you know, crew member. 
that was probably the shitty part. Um, I will go to the ends of the earth for people that genuinely care about film and doing something well. So now that I know better, I know what to look out for, I know what questions to ask, I know how to protect myself. So, you know, all the work I'm doing now is just like, it's hard work, yeah. but it's work that I absolutely love. Is there anything big that you learned later in your career that you wish that you would have learned sooner? Hmm. Probably just to not compromise my worth. Now, don't get me wrong. Everyone has to pay their dues. When you're brand new, you have no experience. You you need to go on set and volunteer. You need to take the shitty paying gigs. That's perfectly fine. But mm -hmm. there were some gigs where I wasn't happy with either the pay, the schedule, the way I was being treated, um, the way the talent was being treated, all of the above. And I sorely regretted being a part of those projects because I had a gut feeling that it wasn't going to be a healthy set, mm -hmm. but I just had to go and experience and get to know these people to really understand why I had that gut feeling, because I know better now. Yeah. If you were to go back to the Jasmine that was just getting into this industry, that was like just starting off, what's the first thing that you would tell her? I would tell her that she is absolutely talented and amazing and not to sell herself short because I had so many insecurities about what I was capable of, wh where I was talented and what areas. I just, I didn't know. There was just so much I didn't know. But if I could go back and just say, hey, it's gonna be okay, just keep going. What's the question that you wished that would have been answered sooner? Ooh, question I wish that with respect to film? Film, fighting, really any of the careers that you've mentioned. Because I know that I I remember in the careers that I was in, I had a certain question, but it wasn't the right question that I, I should have been asking. I should have been asking a different question, but it was because I had false pretenses of where I wanted to go or where, what I wanted to be. And so I was asking one question, but... It wasn't until later that I got more experience and learned more in those careers did I get a different question of like, I shouldn't have been asking this question. I should have been asking this one. You know, honestly, um, I'm pretty satisfied with the questions I was asking myself all along because I've always known that if you can't control the circumstances around you, you can always look within to mm -hmm. see what you can work on within yourself. There was a lot of things going on during the time time of, you know, coming up into the film industry. You know, I was leaving uh, a career. My, you know, my husband and I had just gotten married. Uh, we were trying to figure out movies and living situation, relationship, all these things. And when things were grossly outside of my control, I just always looked within to say, okay, Jasmine, is this truly a problem or is this something that we just need to learn to let go of? How do we, I would always ask myself good questions. How do we establish boundaries? Why are we feeling this way? Why do we have this nasty, you know, gut instinct about something? Mm. And it was really just gaining the experience over the course of time for those questions to be answered. And now that I'm at a different place in my life, I can answer those questions very quickly. 
what do you think was the most important question that led to the most growth and how did you get that question answered? Say, so what does Jasmine want? And it's not necessarily in just a superficial sense of, you know, what does Jasmine want? Does she want shoes or a jacket or some shit like that? It's what does Jasmine need in order for her soul to be fulfilled so that life is beautiful? And I ask myself that regularly. I mean, the other day I pulled up to go to training for Wing Chun and I just sat in the parking lot and I thought, my soul is screaming right now that this is not the place to be because I had a really atrocious day at work. Um, I had a lot of static going on in my head. My body was just like on edge and I wasn't prepared to go in and, and handle class. So I flipped the car around. I said, okay, what does Jasmine need? Well, it's definitely not here. So let's leave. Windows down, music up. We went, we hung out under the moon, we watched uh, videos on special effects, we did some like journaling, things like that. Whereas before, the old Jasmine, maybe a couple of years ago, I would have forced myself to go into class. Hmm. And I would have said, yeah, we did it, but we're like, our anxiety is through the roof <laughs> and we're gonna carry this until into tomorrow and we're gonna be really unhappy and not know why. Yeah. I'm just at that place in my life where I ask, what does Jasmine need for her soul? Where does Jasmine's true happiness come from? Running my business with my husband. Yeah? Yeah. I really, I really love that he and I, we are our own independent people. We educate ourselves in completely different realms of film. We have our own interests and hobbies, but we come together to do what we do with Berber Productions. And I absolutely love those dynamics. And keeping those dynamics in a healthy state is what makes life very fulfilling for me. Because I would say I am you know, a very caring and loving person and helping someone I love succeed is very fulfilling for me. Yeah. But I have to equally do that for myself. Gotcha. I know that going into business with your spouse or partner can be one of the most scary and stressful things and it could even make or break a relationship. What is your biggest advice for someone in that kind of situation that they, they do want to go into business with their partner because of maybe amazing ideas or something but they're just scared that it could create a tension monster. So I would compare it to, let's say, a couple that's trying to go to rehab together and get clean. Mm -hmm. It is perfectly reasonable to want to go on this journey together, but you have to want it together. Mm -hmm. You have to be willing to go through the steps of self-healing and discovery and practice and going through those cycles over and over again with yourself and your partner and have the patience and empathy and compassion and things won't always be okay mm -hmm. but you have to know that that's okay because you'll always come back to each other so as long as both of you are on this journey together it will be okay interesting i, I know there's definitely been different businesses that i've even considered going into business with a partner but it was kind of more of like 
my dream type of thing mm-hmm. and maybe them just wanting to support it. And I realized very quickly something like that usually doesn't tend to work because if it's not their passion as well, it's going to feel like a burden to them. And it's only because film is so demanding. Yeah. It Even if you're not running a full-time business and let's just say you're extremely passionate about it. Mm -hmm. It is a full-time thing. And I I know couples that have those dynamics and, you know, they've been together. They're happy. Mm -hmm. But what Carlos and I have together is is something a little different. It's much more involved. It's something that I wouldn't trade for the world. But it also means that we have so much invested. But we made that choice a long time ago to uphold that investment in each other and in, in ourselves. Yeah. So even if you don't have a spouse that's in the same industry as you, that doesn't mean you can't be together. You're still on that same path. You just might be in different lanes. Think of it like that. You can still be going on this journey of loving yourselves, loving each other, supporting each other. It just not, you know, my husband and I are together 24-7. It's just the nature of things. But you just always have to be supportive of each other and working on yourself because... You know, nobody likes a codependent spouse. You got to have your own mm-hmm. things. You got to be confident. You got to be secure. You can't be a jealous mess. And if you are, that's okay. You just have to be willing to work on those things. <laughs> I agree completely. Yeah. We have kind of like a closing question that it's a little bit of a newer like tradition. Okay. But I ask it because of the different types of responses I get from everybody, especially depending on their past or their motivations, or they're wanting to pursue. What is success to you, and how will you know that you've achieved it? Success for me is the freedom to pursue the things that make life beautiful, whether that be financially. For people, you know, financial freedom is means that they can go on their vacations, they can have their toys, and that's happiness. Uh, For me, it's a combination of financial, uh, self-education, self-healing. It's all these things that allow me to be free to fully pursue and enjoy the things that make life beautiful. And at what point do you think that you can confidently say that you are successful? I mean, not to sound cheesy, but I feel like I'm there. But the thing is, is it's not a peak that you arrive to, it's it's a, a treadmill. It's an ongoing process. If you stop walking, you will fall. Mm-hmm. It is something that requires your constant attention and effort. And, you know, there might be some days where I let off a little bit, and that's perfectly okay. We can't go 100% all the time. But areas of my life are constantly needing attention, and I just make sure I give them attention when they need it. Yeah. So sometimes film needs my attention, sometimes... My soul needs attention. Sometimes my finances do. I'm just I address those things so that I can continue being free in my own right. I like that a lot. Jasmine, was there anything that we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure got mentioned or any shout-outs that you want to do or any questions that you have? Uh, no questions. Nothing that we haven't... We touched on a lot of things. This was a cool conversation. Mm-hmm. But... I will say shout out to my husband because he's sexy. (laughs) We're going to have the sexy husband on right after her too. So you guys will get to see. Awesome. Well, Jasmine, I appreciate it. I'm going to have you do your little signature and we're going to call that a wrap. Cool.
fabulous. Am I done here? Am I done spitting on this? Um, well, just the little thing into that. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> what am I saying? Uh, that little part. Oh, okay. Hold on. Wait. I have to memorize my lines. <laughs> my name is Jasmine Verber, and I've been unmasked. <laughs>